everybody. I'm Jessica Levinson, a professor at Loyola Law School and host of the Passing Judgment podcast, a podcast about politics, the law, a lot of things in between. Today, we have two big topics we're going to talk about with the show's co-host and producer, Joe Armstrong. Joe, what are the political and legal topics on deck today? Hello, Jessica. It was a very, very big day in law and politics news. We're going to dip in on two of those topics. We've been uh, following a big story from a previous Passing Judgment episode earlier this week. That's an update on New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and multiple sexual harassment allegations. We will also dive into another big topic, which is the legality of vaccine mandates, a topic that's heating up seemingly by the hour. I know you and I spent most of both of our days kind of sorting through these topics, so let's get down to it. Let's start with Andrew Cuomo. So the change in the story, Jessica, is that a criminal complaint has been filed by one of Governor Cuomo's accusers. And this goes back to March 19th of this year when the Times Union of Albany newspaper reported that he had groped a woman in the governor's mansion. Now, this is allegedly these are accusations at this point. The reporting was sourced from an unidentified person with direct knowledge of the accuser's situation. The woman's allegations include details that Cuomo allegedly summoned her to the executive mansion in order to help him with his mobile phone. The woman said that Cuomo then closed the door, reached under her shirt, but on top of her bra and fondled her breast. At the time, via a spokesperson, Cuomo said things like, quote, I have never done anything like this. And another quote, the details of this report are gut-wrenching. The accuser also told investigators that Cuomo rubbed her bottom while they were posing together for a photograph on a different occasion. So now, Jessica, the big change here, we have an official criminal complaint filed. So setting aside whether or not he steps down or is removed by impeachment, his political career in jeopardy, what kind of situation is Cuomo facing legally? Yeah, Joe, it's a great question. And at this point, uh, he's potentially facing criminal prosecution. So once Attorney General James's report was released, uh, what we talked about in our previous episode is that there are basically three potential roads for Governor Cuomo, and you could have all of those roads being walked down simultaneously. This is like one of those weird physics questions. Now, road number one is impeachment, which maybe we'll talk about for a minute. Road number two is criminal prosecution, and road number three is civil suit. At this point, you know, what we've seen is Executive assistant number one, one of the women whose experiences are detailed in the report, has filed a criminal complaint. So what's going to happen now is that the prosecutors will take an independent look at the allegations. They'll likely look at the report as well, the evidence that went into the report, and they'll make an independent assessment as to whether or not a criminal case should go forward. If it does go forward, you could see Governor Cuomo being arrested likely then freed on bail, and you could see a criminal prosecution in this case. Now, I think looking at the New York Penal Code, it's probably more likely than not that this would be viewed as a misdemeanor, but I am not an expert on the New York Penal Code. Just reviewing uh, the applicable portion of that code, I think we would be looking at, based on the allegations here, um, a misdemeanor. And so that's really what we're waiting for on the criminal front. 
There was another new detail yesterday in terms of the impeachment road you just talked about, which is the New York State Assembly Judiciary Committee has warned Cuomo's legal team that its impeachment investigation is wrapping up in short order and that the governor has until Friday, August 13th, that's next Friday, to turn over any evidence in his defense. Now, Jessica, we both spend a portion of our day watching a live stream with Governor Cuomo's legal team. And it took a while to get into this. It was a little bizarre. They had some tech issues. But what were your impressions of that event? I know we both kind of watched it. What do you think the goals were for that event? And do you think that his legal team achieved those goals? I can't imagine that they did achieve those goals. And, you know, this was a press conference over Zoom that was held by um, Governor Cuomo's personal attorney and also the attorney for the executive chamber, which I think is basically like saying the attorney for the governor's office. And the press conference started with the attorney for the governor's office basically complaining about the process of the report and he said, I'm complaining about fairness. And the first thing he talked about, I think, was the idea that, well, we asked the attorney general basically for an early release, a preview of this report, so we could rebut it. But we didn't get that. And so now we lost the news cycle. I think it's worth pointing out that when the thing you lead with is we don't like that it took you too long to give us the report because we lost the momentum of the news coverage. And, you know, they're, what they're saying is, and there are things that we would have rebutted. That's not as strong as being able to say the accusations in here are absolutely false. Governor Cuomo did not do any of this. You know, very different to be complaining about process instead of really substance. And then when it came to Governor Cuomo's attorney, I mean, it's not fair, but the massive technical issues, Joe, as you said, it did, I think, really hurt the the rhythm of her presentation. And her presentation also focused a lot on the idea that, um, you know, again, focusing on executive assistant number one, and she talked about the problems with the timeline. And she said, well, assuming this happened November 16th, here are other things that happen, and therefore it's improbable that Governor Cuomo's alleged behavior and his alleged sexual harassment happened on that day. Um, The problem for her is that executive assistant number one never said it happened on November 16th, as reporters immediately fact check on Twitter. And so it's not a great defense when you're coming forward and you're saying there's a problem here with the timeline, but you're pointing to a date where the accuser has not said that the behavior happened on that date. And then there was a really good press question at the end of this press conference where a reporter said, you know, and what about the allegations that were made by this state trooper? And she said, well, Governor Cuomo is going to respond to those allegations, and I don't know when he's going to respond, but he will respond, which is another way of saying she didn't have a response to that. And then she also didn't know that the state trooper had been reassigned um, and was no longer covering Governor Cuomo. So, Joe, it's it's all a way of saying I just I feel like this press conference was really meant to try and get ahead of public opinion or try and play catch up, I guess I should say, when it comes to the court of public opinion. And I just can't imagine it achieve that goal. What do you think? 
Yeah, I watched it too. It seemed like a classic, uh, if you'll forgive the kind of dopey phrase, it seemed like a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo to cloudy the waters. It seemed like another attempt by Cuomo and his team to double down or maybe at this point triple or even quadruple down on the story and his lack of liability for these accusations. So we will have to wait and see how this plays out, both in the real court and the court of public opinion. But setting aside that legal liability, and I know, Jessica, that's a very, very big thing to set aside in the light of these types of allegations. But when it comes to Governor Cuomo's political career, I think that leaves me with only one question here. And that's whether or not Governor Cuomo's political goose is cooked. And if it is, will he pull a similar uh, Matt Gaetze sort of situation and continue to double or triple down in order to stay in office. Now, as a reminder, Florida Representative Gates is facing allegations and an investigation that he was involved in possible sex trafficking involving a minor. And we've talked about Gates and that situation on passing judgment before. Or will Cuomo step down? That's the question. But I guess that's more than one question. It's a couple questions. But where do you think this whole thing is going, Jessica? Is he going to step down politically? Is his goose cooked? I just cannot imagine that Governor Cuomo can survive this politically. Now, you know, let's play the tape because I probably said something similar months ago when these allegations started to come out. And that was before, again, things really have changed. That was before this 168-page report that was released by the Attorney General. It was before the criminal complaint. It was before this, frankly, I think kind of semi-disastrous press conference, and it was before almost every member of the Democratic Party who is an elected official in New York, whether on the state level or the federal level, has basically said, we're all done with you. And it was also before the president of the United States said, I think he needs to step down. Now, I don't know if this happens, you know, the the easy way or the hard way, meaning I don't know if he finally just says, look, I can't withstand this political pressure. I, you know, I'm no longer serving the people of New York. He really was defiant in his press conference before, right after the report was released. So I don't know. I increasingly think that maybe he's removed by the impeachment process. I don't see him going, even if he's the only person in New York left who thinks that he should still be governor. That might be enough for him. I tend to agree, Jessica. I'm not sure that he is going to go quietly, but it looks to me as if he's going to go one way or another. So let's move on to our second topic for today, which is vaccine mandates and passports. Jessica, with the prevalence of the highly infectious Delta variant of COVID-19, infection rates are rising again in much of the United States. And with schools about to start in an in-person manner across the country, some municipalities are instituting mandatory vaccines for students and staff. Some schools have found creative ways around their state's so-called vaccine passport bans or mandatory vaccination requirements. I know Alabama has one. Florida has one. In a school in Alabama, a school called Birmingham Southern College in Birmingham, coincidentally, recently adopted a creative end run around Alabama's so-called vaccine passport ban that also bans mandatory vaccination for students. In an email sent to students just last week, the policy is outlined as such. The school has a weekly requirement for COVID tests for students. There is an associated $500 fee for those COVID tests for each student. Vaccinated students will be exempt from testing and will receive a $500 rebate. Unvaccinated students will also have to wear masks, and there are mandatory quarantines when a student comes into contact with someone who has tested positive. 
The school has said that the fee is necessary to offset the lack of federal money to address COVID mitigation expenses. Now, it reminds me, Jessica, of these concert ticket scalping stories I used to hear when growing up where there a, a really big artist would be coming to town and they, they can't legally scalp those tickets for $500 a piece, but they would run ads in the paper and they'd say $500 Bic pen with free Michael Jackson tickets. So it's uh, maybe an end run around some laws. But the Alabama Attorney General in response has since stated that Birmingham Southern's new COVID policy violates the state's new existing law about vaccine passports that was signed into law by Governor Kay Ivey on May the 24th. The response from Steve Marshall's office, that's the Alabama AG, didn't mention Birmingham Southern specifically, but it did release a document saying that colleges cannot require students to prove that they are vaccinated. Now, for its part, Amy Bickers Abeda, whose title is Assistant Vice President of Communications for the college, said that the school isn't mandating that students provide proof of vaccination to go to classes in the upcoming semester and that the school is offering incentives to those who are already vaccinated. So, Jessica, hypothetically speaking, since you happen to be a law professor, let's pretend this is a lawsuit. Who has the better case in this instance? Yeah, just in listening to what you described and in reading a little bit about this, I tend to think that Birmingham Southern is not, in fact, requiring COVID vaccination. It's saying here are a lot of things that can happen if you show that you are vaccinated. And so incentives is very different from a requirement. I mean, how much time in the law is spent talking about the difference between may and shall? So Incentives in some cases, frankly, might be the way to go, particularly when you have states saying you're not allowed to mandate this. You're not allowed to require this. All right. So stepping out of that hypothetical case, what are the odds, Jessica, do you think this will wind up in real analog, real world court? It seems as if it's inevitable that one of these bans, Florida's, Alabama's, maybe elsewhere, will be challenged at some point. And are these sorts of attempted circumventions of these types of laws going to work? Yeah, I think at some point they will be challenged. If you look at what the courts have been saying over the last few weeks now, and soon it'll be a few months, I think the courts really have, when it comes to can you mandate, have been fairly favorable in saying, yes, in fact, you can. It's a different question as to whether or not a state can say you absolutely cannot mandate. And then what happens when public or private institutions say, okay, well, we're not allowed to mandate, but we're going to try and do everything we can to get people vaccinated. We don't have an answer to that question, but I I, I just, I have to say, Joe, of course, it goes against virtually every public health official would say it's lunacy for a state to say that you cannot use these mitigation measures, that you're banning masks, that you're prohibiting institutions from requiring vaccinations. And, you know, for a lot of people who are listening, either they themselves or if they have kids, constantly have to fill out forms that say, here's my proof of vaccination. So, Joe, as I'm thinking through this, you know, I do think things are going to change once the FDA gives full approval for these vaccinations for everybody 12 and up. And, I think the legal landscape is going to shift a little bit. There will be more places that are requiring uh, mandatory vaccines, and then it really will be a question as to whether or not states can prohibit that requirement. And I, 
states have a lot of power when it comes to their health, safety, and welfare. But, you know, just on a practical matter, saying to institutions that you cannot require a vaccination really goes against health, safety, and welfare. So, Joe, it's a long way of saying I don't know what a court's going to do, but I know, I think I know what the right decision is when it comes to public health. All right, let's move away from the state concept here and move into the private sector because it's not just municipalities and school districts. Privately owned companies have also instituted some rules about vaccination status and employment, right? So that's like a new frontier. Yeah, I mean, and this is going to happen, as I just said, more and more. Once the FDA gives full approval for these vaccinations, as people who are listening to the podcast know, the vaccinations are currently on emergency use authorization. But once the FDA, which now they're expected to do around Labor Day, says, okay, full regular approval, then I think you're going to see a lot more employers say, all right, you want to come to work? You need to be vaccinated. And in fact, that's what CNN has already said. So this week, they fired three employees who violated the company's policy of saying, if you want to come to work, then you have to show proof of vaccination. I understand right now it's on an honor system. And again, this is for people who physically come to work. But an internal memo from the chairman of news and sports for Warner Media, which um, own CNN has said, we have a zero tolerance policy. And so again, three different people were let go this week. Yeah, let's clear that up just a little bit. Let's talk about that memo. I know that both you and I tried to determine if CNN had a carve out for people who cannot be vaccinated for medical reasons, because those people do exist. But neither you nor I could find anything specific about that. So when I was digging around, this is what I found. According to Reuters, quote, CNN currently has most of its offices open for employees who want to work there voluntarily, provided they are fully vaccinated. And Jeff Sucker, he's the chair of CNN elsewhere in that. That sentence, he said, quote, everyone from news, sports and studios who comes in now and going forward must be vaccinated. We have been clear about this for months, so there should be no confusion. As you said above, there's a zero tolerance policy there. Went on to say, quote, masks will be required in Atlanta, Washington and Los Angeles offices when people aren't eating, drinking or in an unclosed private space. Even in offices where mask wearing is not mandated, people should do what feels comfortable for them without any fear of retaliation or judgment from co-workers. So uh, it seems like in no uncertain terms, he's kind of laying down the laws what this is. And I'm still curious about that car bot. So we will dig around, see if we can find out some more clarity about that. But Jessica, there was some other breaking news about organizations, both public and private. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, and I ha- I do have to think that there is that carve out, at least for medical issues. So there are places, for instance, in California when it comes to school vaccinations where the religious exemption, I believe, is no longer there. But uh, the medical exemption is really something that I would be surprised if any state or private company uh, does not include a medical exemption for obvious reasons. So you asked me, you know, what's happening elsewhere? Well, I mean, this is a changing situation. It truly does feel like the dam is breaking. But just recently, Los Angeles County, which is home to the nation's largest trial court system, um, in Los Angeles County, the Superior Court has told all employees that you need to show proof of being fully vaccinated once the FDA gives that full approval. 
and this does include the medical or religious exemption. Similarly, uh, a private company, United Airlines, has said we're setting a late October deadline when it comes to our employees in the U.S., proving that they are, in fact, fully vaccinated. And, Joe, it does seem to me like each time we see that there's another either state or locality or private company, and each time you and I talk about it and say, oh, we should include that, that almost within hours, somebody else follows suit. So I think we're going to continue to see more of that. I personally hope that the FDA does, in fact, stick to this basically Labor Day deadline because let's remember that there are a lot of people who cannot get vaccinated, um, some because of medical reasons and a whole host of people because they are, in fact, under 12 and schools are going back into in-person sessions And we know what's happening in pediatric units throughout hospitals throughout the nation, and it can be prevented. So on a personal level, I hope the FDA approval comes quickly. I hope that private and public institutions take this really seriously. And if they don't mandate the vaccinations, then they require stringent testing because there are so many things, Joe, in this life that we do not know, but we know that the vaccines work. We know what to do to keep people safe, and we know that this is a public health imperative. So, Joe, that's where I am. Usually we're pretty consistent on this. Uh, Any parting words on this? Yeah, Jessica, indeed. I am old enough to remember when the United States mandated seatbelt use, and I remember there were people distinctly fighting it tooth and nail. You can't make me wear a seatbelt in my car, even though it has been proven to save people's lives. I work from the basis of science and all of these things, and we've had a long time. There's a lot more science than there was 15, 16, 20 months ago, and this was all new to us and everyone else, except for those epidemiologists who always said it was a matter of when and not if. So working from the science, Jessica, I'm glad that this is trending in what I would consider to be the right way. I think it's going to save lives. It might be a precarious political thing for an administration like Biden's administration to take up these sorts of restrictions and mandate them, and other companies too, because these are customers that they risk losing. But again, working from that point of science, we know a lot. We know that vaccines save lives, and we know that vaccines for people who can get them and just choose not to will save the lives of people who have legitimate medical reasons for not getting vaccinated. And regardless of what happens, Jessica, we will talk about it. And you can listen to it on your iPhone, on your Android device, in your car, wherever you listen to your podcast, Jessica. So thanks for being part of this with me. Thank you. And we wish everybody a nice either evening, afternoon, weekend, wherever you are when you're listening. We thank you for listening. You can find Joe on social media at in-depth day. You can find me at Levinson Jessica on Twitter and Instagram, the show on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod, on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. We love to hear from you and we'll talk to you next time.